Hi, beautiful listeners, and I am so happy and excited to share this episode with you. We are joined by Elizabeth Stevens, who is the author of the Severi Mates series, and we dive into all things alien smut, indie self-publishing, But before we dive into that, I want to let you guys know that we are still doing our giveaway. We're going to cap it at 100 entries, so we still have a few more left. And we've changed the rules a little bit. So in order to enter, all you have to do is join our group. I found that it's actually kind of difficult to review podcasts, more difficult than you might imagine. So all you have to do to enter is join our Facebook group, The HEA Book Club, with Summer O'Toole on Facebook. As always, all the links will be down below. The prizes include a Kindle, Kindle Unlimited subscription, Audible subscription, signed paperbacks, all that good stuff. And if you do review the podcast, which I know some of you already have, which we appreciate so, so much, it's the best way you can help us grow as a podcast. But if you review the podcast and share a screenshot in the group, you'll get an extra entry in that giveaway. Also, I wanted to let you guys know where you can find Elizabeth. She is at Elizabeth Stevens author. Elizabeth is spelled with a Z and Stevens is spelled with a PH. And then on Instagram, she is E Stevens author. So definitely go check her out. It is still the month of February. So we are still supporting literacy for incarcerated teens, which provides curriculum approved books and reading materials to teen incarceration centers in New York City, as well as group homes. And not just curriculum-approved books, but other ones as well for fun and encouraging reading and literacy while these youth are incarcerated. And last little bit of housekeeping is just to let you guys know that some of this episode deals with mentions of SA as some of the characters in Elizabeth's books have past experiences with SA. So keep that in mind as you're listening. It is not the majority of what we talk about, but it is mentioned. And in this little brief intro, we talk about spiders. Kelsey had a funny experience in one of her classrooms today. So you can go ahead and skip ahead a few minutes if you don't want to hear about spiders. A little mentally unhinged, to be honest. But that's just the kind of day I'm having. Like, like significantly so. Oh, what, what's going on? I just, it's not even like today was terrible. Like, granted, there was a spider that did like a full frontal attack on me earlier today. And then there was a bee that was like, yay big. Okay. And then there was another spider. The kid was like, Miss Logan, I can't find my, my sketchbook. Like, can you help me look? And I was like, of course. And I start opening up things. And then this big ass spider comes out. And I was like, here's the thing, friend. I was all game to help you until that spider came out and they all go, look at that thing. And I'm like, yep, I'm out. I'm out. You know what? If it leaves, tell me to come back. But right now I'm gone. I'm gone. I even had kids after the first spider attacked me, I gave up on what I was doing and I had the kids do it. Cause I was like, I can't, because I'm just like, I can't do this alone. I need you to do this while I stand on the other side of the room. Welcome to the HEA book club. I am Kelsey. I'm Summer O'Toole. I'm a romance author, and we have our amazing guest with us, Elizabeth Stevens. Hi there! <laughs> and she wrote the Taken to Braxia series that we had done in, I think, episode one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, the series is called The Xavier Meets, and that we will need a full pronunciation guide because yes. <laughs> we have been making up words this entire time. 
but for this episode, me and Kelsey read book one, two, we skipped three, as that takes place in sort of like a different universe slash world of the characters. And then we went to four. So yeah, be- before we dive into those books, which I'm so excited about, let's do our weekly hots. So I, <laughs> I was talking to my partner about how I was looking online for some artists to do not safe for work character art. And it's been really hard to like find somebody who actually has availability on the right timeline. And I was like, you know, you may just have to like start doing them for me. And I was like, you should start practicing, you know, when you're working for me one day. And she was like, oh, great. Finally a boss I can sleep with. that's amazing that's so good the other night I was reading one of the books and I was like cuddled up with our cat and she comes home and she's like oh like what's going on I'm just reading Smalls some alien smut we're learning about blue (laughs) alien dicks and she's like I can't believe it and I was like yeah I know I'm just joking they're called the Zora (laughs) 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 which is the Varaxian word for penis appendage. Yes, exactly. Nailed it. <laughs> so those are my weekly hots. They're pretty pretty good this week. I'd say so. They're good. Yeah, they're good every week, but you know, they have like different levels of spice that you have. Well, your weekly hots reminded me actually of one. So my original weekly hot that I had thought of for this, for this recording is I was recently rereading the Milana Jack's Omegaverse series. I'm not sure if you guys have gotten into the alpha horde that Milana Jack's prepared for us there, but there's a series and then there's a spinoff and this is potentially the first time in my entire life I've ever finished someone's not only an entire series by this person but I've also read I think now her entire catalog but (gasps) these are steamy as all get out and they are definitely hot (laughs) but another weekly hot that's actually super duper exciting and I only got word literally this morning about it, but Mermammal, the amazing, super talented artist who did the special edition illustrated cover of Taken to Varaxia. She and I have been working together on the special illustrated covers for the rest of the books as well in the series, including the novellas. But I had like this very devilish dream the other day about doing Not Safe for Work special editions with not safe for work illustrations actually in the books and she just confirmed that that is going to be possible so we're going to do that we also have like plans for a coloring book not safe for work coloring book the whole thing is going to be wild it's going to take a long time to put together but teasers are going to be coming out like over the course of the year and hopefully 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 we can get everything ready for like a fall launch i'm blown away the way I'm excited <laughs> for this. Oh yeah. It's gonna be so fun. Oh, gosh, that's brilliant. I am gonna be devouring that coloring book when it comes around. That is <laughs> straight up my alley. I've never had I think a coloring book within this like realm, but now I'm kind of realizing that there's just a big piece of my life missing. So thank yeah. you for filling that. Yes. And I do have to give Tiffany Roberts the credit there for giving me the inspiration because she did a coloring book recently for one of her series that's just fantastic wild I gotta get into that I have no idea mm-hmm. gosh so fun well this week my weekly hot is 
almost like a blast from the past. You guys may have heard him referred to here as, I think we called him Mr. Plant Daddy. (laughs) And so Mr. Plant Daddy, in the end, it didn't work out. He essentially ghosted me. I confronted him and I was like, hey, like you ghosted me. What's up with that? Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, he needed time to work on himself. All the, all the BS answers that you could give. So haven't heard from him. I'm better off for it. It's fine. I'm at one of my favorite bars the other night. And in order to go to the restroom, it's like this very narrow hallway. So I'm walking down this narrow hallway and he all of a sudden turns the corner and is walking right at me. And there's literally no way that we cannot just bump straight into each other. And this is the first time I'm seeing them in months, right? Absolute months. So he plays it off and he's like, oh my gosh, so good to see you. How are you doing? Like, what have you been up to? He gives me this like really awkward side hug. And I'm like, oh, this is so funny. Like internally, I'm just like, you have no idea, dude. So he's like, yeah, like, how's it going? Like, what have you been up to? And I'm like, I've been living my best life. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I've been living my best life. That's what I've been up to. And he just gives me this look, just like this absolute like utter defeat. And he's like, I think I need to go get myself a drink. And I said, (laughs) okay. And he just walked away. (laughs) So three cheers for living your best life and slightly, I don't know, slamming someone in the process because I was living my best life without him. Yeah, well done. Sorry, Mr. Plant Daddy, but you didn't make the cut. (laughs) (laughs) But exciting things. Let's talk about book boyfriends. I want to talk about all the book boyfriends. Book alien boyfriends. (laughs) My favorite kind. (laughs) So to preface this series, it's the first alien smut that I read. Actually, the first and only. I listened to a bunch of, you know, reviews and podcasts and TikToks about Ice Planet Barbarian. And I was like, that's cute. Sounds cool. But like, it's not going to be for me. And then I found Elizabeth's TikTok and she was sharing some quotes and I was like, okay, I'm like sold. And then I've just like spiraled into this obsession. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Taken to Raxia is the first book and that is with Raku, Raku Kana, who is Miari and Zorin, which is a quick question for Elizabeth. I know they're like, they're given names, are dishonorable to be used once they have a title but why are they referred to as slave names if they like were never slaves because he was he was already a prominent figure because he was the son of the, the raku before him right correct okay so yes this comes in with a whole lot of backstory um world building that i'm not sure like totally came through But in Taken to Nobu, we learn a little bit about these early wars that happened and that caused the Drakesh to fold into the Braxian Federation. The Drakesh species actually practiced slavery, which is why they still engage in practices like the hunt, which are quite barbaric. And it's because slavery was like a tenant of like a lot of these early tribes that they're actually called slave names, but then that became out of use and then they just started referring to them as true names. But Anyways, this is me building like millennia worth of backstory in my own head and like, this is so obvious. (laughs) Okay, before we get any further, I think we have to do pronunciations because even you just saying Drakesh for a second. 
that was not what I was saying um, in my brain. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I really cannot wait for the audiobook to come out. I'm supposed to get um taken to Varaxia back completed to me by April 1st. And I think that's gonna solve like a lot of this these conundrums. <laughs> <laughs> like it was definitely like a hard Drake-ish. Yep. Um, me too. Me too. Also, the whole, <laughs> the whole first episode that we did on taking to Raxia, I referred to the like the mate vibe as Oksana, which yeah. is like, missing like five syllables. Is <laughs> like, the like, character from Killing Eve, and I think I just like got <laughs> them like mixed. Up. <laughs> this totally reminds me of when I was a kid and reading Harry Potter, and her name was Hermione for sure. Ooh. Yeah, like one thousand percent, and I'm still kind of bitter about it. <laughs> so valid, so valid. Yeah. But yes, uh, the pronunciation is pretty hectic, and I don't know exactly if. So, in the original iteration of Taken to Varaxia, there was even more confu- confusing nameage and verbiage around things, and I got some fee- early feedback in some of the reviews where they were like what's going on uh this is the most confusing thing I've ever read and so then I tried to incorporate like more of the pronunciation guide the the kind of vocabulary list in the beginning of the book and then I also removed some key lettering elements so Drakesh originally had like another couple Mm -hmm. apostrophes in there somewhere that were removed so it would have been more like Drakesh in the beginning and then I just started calling it Drakesh but you know what? You really can pronounce it however your heart's desire. Isn't that the magic of reading? <laughs> yes. And did you write that in one of your like prologues that like you can pronounce it however you want? Or did yeah. I say that? Okay. Absolutely. So yes. a lot of the language is actually because I lived in South Africa for four years and I always got so frustrated because I had so many friends who were Isikosa and Isikosa is absolutely not pronounced like that. There is a hard click right in the middle of that word that I cannot make. And so I wanted to incorporate some of that into the language building and the most amazing thing ever happened because when I was listening to the auditions for the male narrators for who would play Raku and the audiobooks that are coming out, I did not give him this feedback at all to do this, but the male narrator actually did the clicks. <gasps> it was crazy. <laughs> I'm like whatever, like nobody needs to, nobody else need further apply. You got the job, like <laughs> sold. Is he South um, African? He's not, no. It's just wild. (laughs) So taking Dabraxia, Miari and Roku, she's a hybrid. She's one of the only surviving hybrids from the human colony. And she is the Xavier, how do you say it? I say it's a very. Very, what? What? (laughs) No. (laughs) I should be writing this down right now. I'm just going to say it wrong. Oh my gosh. Say it again. It's a very. It's a very. Oh my gosh. And of Tell course, I guess if you could make a click, then it would be like very, but I can't do that. So <laughs> I'm just like also thinking about the amount of like words that I've read where like I made the ecstasy and then other times where I didn't. And like, when did I mentally choose to do that? I really should have just stayed consistent. Maybe yeah. I would have had a win somewhere. <laughs> <in there. laughs> Or, uh, you know, I could have just spelled things easier. No way. But, no way. This yeah. is half the fun. <laughs> <laughs> so the Zaviri mates, it's this visceral feeling of 
lust, attachment, attraction, and they like have to consummate on it. And it's this very, very intense, like sacred thing. And Raku, who is the king of his alien federation, has it for a hybrid, human hybrid who hates him. They develop a relationship. She is now his queen. It's great. They make appearances in later books. They have a sweet little baby. In the second book, taken to Nobu, we have Bo Raku, who is one of his like advisors, mm-hmm. who is Xavier Mates. Xavier Mates <laughs> with, <laughs> with Kiki, who is one of the humans that was chosen for the hunt on the human colony, which was basically this barbaric mating ritual where these Drakesh aliens would come and mate with them against their will. And she was traumatized by that, but she became Xavier mates with this alien. So they have to work through that. And then, and this is a very brief synopsis, we can dive into it more, but the third book we read, which is taken to Hemo, is Zvira, who is the human advisor for the merge between the human colony and the aliens. And she is a devout tri-god worshiper, which from what I picked up on was kind of a mix of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Elizabeth's nodding, so I think I'm getting this. And then <laughs> Crixus, who... That's another character from another book that I just switched their names out. Um, <laughs> how do you actually say his name? I say it Chris Sox, but oh, I, okay. yeah. I got one right. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, Crixus is from Spartacus. You've watched that, but they even have a lot of like personality similarities. Don't you? They're, Sadly, no, but. <laughs> they have merged in my head as one. And he is the main battle strategist for Raku, the Raku Kana. Very, very gruff, a grumpy sunshine relationship, if there ever was one. He was assigned to be Zvira's guardian, and they soon discover that they're also Xavier mates. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That was quite the summary. I'm actually, I'm quite proud of you, Summer. That's like a I think that's the shortest summary you've ever given me about anything. So that's, I'm proud of you right now. So these books are phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you. I'm just like blown away. Should we, do we want to skip book one? Because we already yeah. talked about it. Okay. Skipping book one and all this majestic glory summer. I just it was a say, 15 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, Summer, when you summarized it in whatever episode that was, you made me think that there was going to be like so much more groveling, so much more gift giving and begging that like by the time it was over, I was like, it's already over. Like I was waiting (laughs) for this to like span centuries. Like Summer, you just made it sound like it was going to last for eons. And there was like a couple other things that I was like slightly annoyed with you about, but that's fine. (laughs) You texted me and you're like, it's over and I'm mad. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, did you not like it? And you're like, no, I loved it. It's over too soon. <laughs> I was mad. I was genuinely angry. And you know, that's a sign of a good book. <laughs> well, don't worry. My books seem to only be getting longer these days. So <laughs> I know that I have a quote pulled out for the second one, taking to Nobu. On Nobu, which is a Drakesh planet. Look at me my proper pronunciation (laughs) 
they still do a version of the hunt only it's consensual participants and it's more of like a cultural ritual but kiki was hurt really bad in the first book so when the second book starts up when she's healed and going to nobu with varaku she's going to participate in the hunt because he is her xavier mate he already knows that he's already felt it but she is still kind of like she just came out of this basically a medically induced coma and this healing goo so she's still kind of like getting her bearings on everything but she lands on this icy planet and is like all right you gotta run away from them and she's like i'm gonna kill them all like i hate these animals (laughs) she has no idea that for however past many months he was like walking over her wouldn't leave her side helped to heal her she just kind of like wakes up and is like y'all still suck and i'm getting out of here (laughs) but when she starts getting into proximity with varaku she starts feeling the oxana which is we're just gonna (laughs) go with that word (laughs) um she starts feeling it and she because it's such a visceral lustful feeling she is really really conflicted and this is how she describes it she so she's describing one of the feelings as an oasis and he's her oasis but she is really angry really aggressive she has been training as a warrior so she has a lot of like fight in her so the quote is the oasis a lush green plant that rich fauna a gentle heat no don't get sucked in fight kill how do you kill an oasis not even the desert can do that this oxana feeling because it's so foreign it's completely made up it's not a human thing that happens obviously in real life um, <laughs> so that was just a really good way of summarizing it i feel like yeah thanks i love yeah i don't know if you've noticed but like in each of my books there's kind of some metaphor that kind of carries throughout and yes. so that was the metaphor for that book and I, I love hearing the quotes that move people. It's really nice. I just wrote it down. <laughs> the garden and the runes in the third book. Yes. What's the third one for me? I was. Ruined me. <laughs> oh my gosh. That yeah. Was I, it's, it's actually, I think it might be original, the original quote, which is when I'm with you in the ruins, I am in the garden. But when I am without you in the garden, I am in the ruins. I think, I believe that that original quote is a Jalal Rumi quote, but I'm not actually certain. It's beautiful nonetheless. And they keep applying it throughout the whole mm-hmm. story. Yeah. When I first read that quote, I just, I died. <laughs> Loved it. And it's kind of their way, because in the third book, the fourth book, they are both fighting these like really conflicting feelings. Mm-hmm. He grew up and was taught that humans are gross filthy like he should hate them and he's been treating her as such this whole time that he's been her guardian so she knows that he hates humans she knows that like he's been pretty crappy to her at times even though he'll protect her from actual harm he's like isn't particularly nice to her so she's conflicted plus she has the added religious pressures on her and what she wants to do in terms of like sexuality so the garden became their like a way for them to like meet grounds um be able to like coley express what they wanted i agree (laughs) i'm sorry with all my fangirling i'm obsessed (laughs) no they're such a fun couple to write yeah really Mm mm-hmm So I also have a quote from the second book. I know we're jumping all over the place, but I want to share it. 
It's super long. So I'm going to try and summarize it. Something that Elizabeth, I really want to point out is you hit on the point of this character's trauma, Kiki's trauma, like really, really well. Like you handle it in such a beautiful way, both like her internal struggle, her partner struggle with it. Like the way that they overcome it is really powerful to write it in such a way like that, because that's a, that's a really heavy topic for so many people that so many people can also relate to. So I just want to say, I, I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, this was easily this one tied with generation one were the two most difficult books I ever wrote. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, so my quote is, we talked about the healing goo earlier. Healing (laughs) goo happened again. And a fun fact about this healing goo is that it recreates your hymen. So (laughs) for this particular character for Kiki, this is actually a really powerful thing to occur because after going through the hunt, and you know, having to do things that she wasn't consenting to this is like a really strong mode of like having a fresh start so here's the quote i fight to focus on my gaze on her face hoping to relay to her that i understand her apprehension and her will to do my best to make this painless for her but instead of seeing fear in her eyes she cradles the side of my face zavora zaveri she whispers and then the ancient words tumble from her lips I cover your flesh with my flesh. I cover your heart with my hearts. I am claiming you. You are my servant. You are my king. You are my blade. And I am your Zaveri Zaya to your people, future mother to your kids. With this union, I promise to be your shield. I promise to honor you forever. And like, oh, okay. So this is just like, it's so powerful because this is what he'd been wanting to do. This is like how he felt about her, but for her to finally like turn around and be like, I feel the same way. Like I am ready to commit myself to you. I feel comfortable enough where I can still be my own person. There's so many complex pieces that just all fit together in that moment. Yeah. That was also a really, I really enjoyed writing that as well, because in the first book, we get to hear those words from Zoran, um, who's the male character. And then in the beginning of this book, we hear it again from another male character. And traditionally, this is something that a male character would say to a female character. And they're, and like the, the way that she says it to him, I think is just like kind of further demonstrates that she is a warrior. You know, she isn't here just to be his wife and his queen and his female but like really to be an equal part of their relationship and her ability to you know she's like I can protect you too you know that's I'm willing to do that now I'm sure it was really important to you in writing that these relationships and kind of the social structure in general really prioritized equality among the different genders But I feel like in each book, there is a point where the heroine kind of plays the traditional role of the hero in their own, like, unique way. Is that something that you went in knowing you wanted, or did it kind of come with the characters as they developed? Yeah, so that's a yes. The answer is yes, a short answer. (laughs) Because I actually, one of my hugest pet peeves with reading romance especially is when the couples get together and then the female character either like no longer has a job or a function within the society or no longer really carries the story forward or whatever kind of final, I can't even say battle because 
you know, that's specific to a genre, but whatever sort of final culminating thing that happens in the romance, the usual like propeller of that is often the male character. And it's actually really funny for me too, because I tend to read romances, I think perhaps differently than a lot of people because I automatically assume when I read a romance that the female character is the hero and it honestly never even occurred to me until recently that the male character might be considered equally or anywhere near as heroic <laughs> which was also has also been problematic for me from like a marketing standpoint because it's my instinct right to put a woman on the cover I'm like obviously she's female I'm still trying to you know learn the ins and outs of publishing and how or or even you know having the audiobook done you know I did so much research into this and thank the Lord for my mailing list subscribers because I sent, you know, them a survey basically and was like, do you read audiobooks and who do you want to hear narrate it? And it was pretty much universally, I either want like a dude or I want it to be two people. And I thought it was just fascinating because like in my head, I think I would have probably wanted, you know, I would probably prefer a woman, but, you know, so for me having these characters that, you know, maybe they start and I really love the kind of building, starting them in a position of total powerlessness and helping try to find creative and interesting ways for them to rise out of whatever weird crap situation they were in before I think is one of my favorite aspects of writing in general regardless of the genre and in this particular genre I had read a few different examples of sci-fi romances before either where where things were just a little bit too easy all the way around and so it wasn't didn't have that same level of tension I was looking for or you know the opposite where we get to books like Venomous or Burr by, you know, Poppy Reese or Penelope Fletcher, where they're like really intense and maybe even like a little bit too hard for me to read. So <laughs> I was hoping for, you know, something right there in the middle where, you know, I could really pull these women characters out or rather they could pull themselves out and, you know, with the help of their males, because that's obviously equally as important as creating these male characters that are willing to support and as in the case in book two, you know, stand back when necessary. So yes, that's the long answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That kind of makes me think of me and Kelsey before you joined us, we were talking about Taken to Nobu and how out of the three that we read, that was probably wasn't disliked by any stretch of the imagination, but least liked of the three. And I think the big thing for me was that there wasn't any giant conflict wherein taken to Hemo and taken to Raxia, there's kidnappings, there's fights. Yeah. There's like, is she dead? Is she not? Right. Um, but hearing you explain it as like the as the the woman character pulling herself out of whatever situation, it seems that Kiki's journey was by far a mental journey. Yeah. The other ones were more of a literal journey through yeah <laughs> and that's actually just even from a logistical standpoint one of the reasons why that book was so difficult for me to write is it's actually hard to keep that level of tension up when there's not uh, an external bad guy you know so an external bad guy I think as an author is the easiest right you know it's that standard <laughs> quest defeat the villain at the end you know and that's so fun to write uh, so Kiki's book was definitely a lot harder in that aspect not to mention you know what she had to go through and that book had a huge rewrite as well because there was a point you know where I wanted to bring in some more 
space opera elements and bring, you know, more bad guys to the ground. But I couldn't do that and also have Kiki go through a reasonable journey that was realistic without either having like a 150,000 word book or, you know, doing a, you know, doing her a disservice. So Mm -hmm. it ended up going, yeah, the direction it went largely because of her and the places she took me. (laughs) One of the feedback I got on my book that's coming out in March was congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) The female character they didn't feel like she was doing equal parts in this relationship and they're trying to escape a like a slavery island and looking back my hero was such like the protector the like guardian the sweet gooey like strong muscly teddy bear that it just made sense that he was stepping up every time Mm -hmm. but when I I knew my ending like it needed a lot of work like Kelsey's wincing because it was <laughs> it, it like when I sent it to my betas I was like this is not this needs to change like <laughs> right um, but so one that was one of the feedback was that they felt like she wasn't pulling her weight in the relationship so in the rewrite at first I was really bombed I was like I have to rewrite the last third of this book and totally change it but I love it so much more now and like yeah. the I think that, and obviously the readers will too, than what I initially had. Because it is like very important to me as well to have female characters who are an equal part in the story. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think, what did you say? You said to, it would be a disservice to Kiki if you didn't have her journey the way it needed to be. So I felt like now the way that this stolen to fight is, it's giving service to Tilly where I knew all that because she was in my head she was my character right in the book and what was happening in the book it wasn't showing that yeah I I had to do I oh it's so interesting this whole conversation but yeah I because I have the the third book in my first series coming out also in March and these books are taking a wild like cosmetic shift which I'm really excited to share I just wish I could do it already (laughs) um just waiting on the final edits but uh it was really a weird experience because all of these books are written from the perspective of only one character they're not dual POV and so I had this male character this really strong male character um in this third one and this very very weak female character also like a kind of survivor type character but like not you know, not the same response as Kiki. She's like very much like cowed by her experiences. And the crazy part was like trying to both communicate like her growth and strength while not being in her head. That was probably, this is like one of the strangest Mm. book writing experiences that I've had in a long time, but it ended up, I'm, I feel so sorry also for my beta readers because I had just three people look at it. And then when I rewrote it, I ended up adding like 50,000 words. It was like 70,000 words, but I ended up changing like 20, I ended up changing like 20,000 words and then adding another 30. So it ended up being this huge, massive rewrite, but it's, yeah, it's this recharacterization of a character. Like you don't want her necessarily to do anything different, but you just need her to be a little bit different. And that's actually, Mm -hmm. I think one of the more challenging rewrites that you can do as an author, but I agree, like always worth it at the end. I think the like best part about writing 
is that I feel like I'm only doing 10% of it and the characters are doing the other 90% and them like figuring stuff out and like coming to fruition is just it's so magical I love yeah, it it's really fun yeah taken to Evernor is absolute like every book that I write I have no idea where I'm going I have like general <laughs> points that I know I need to get to it's actually kind of funny like I know that I need to be able to get people onto the sky planet which moves around so then I'm now I'm like the whole Evernor book is me trying to figure out like what kind of you know, device I need to create in order to be able to get people from point A to literally from point A to point B. But this book is like, I don't know, I think it's hilarious. And it, I don't know if it was supposed to be because it's like this alien gladiator romance that's totally bloody and gory. And but I had to bring the pirates back. I love the pirates to pieces. So I'm currently reading Taken to Core. So experiencing the pirates for the first time. Yeah. And you're talking about like comedy or just like you didn't mean like I'm loving this book because of the comedy. I don't mean to leave Summer out of it because she didn't get this far. But like I'm loving just like the characters and the the language, the communication. Like just I'm so excited. I'm so excited to read them all. Yeah, it's it's uh the pirates are just way too much fun. I had so much fun with the pirates. I can see why. I'm yeah. having fun with the pirates. I don't want yeah. to put the book down. <laughs> Is Jaxel and Lizbell, do they have a book? They actually, I was not intending to write anything for them, but I had written the first like page and a half of a story for them. And then I ended up having a chat with the Be Too Weird book club that reminded me that this page and a half existed. And I went back and I looked at it and then I ended up like writing a 20,000 word short story for them that's finished and fantastic. I love it. Lisbeth is, is it such a, it's not published yet. It's going to be, it's going to come out first in the box in the first box set, which I think will release at the same time as the audio box set. But that's just, I don't know yet. My, <laughs> I'm not, I'm a better, bench better writer than I am an author. I think <laughs> trying to get all the publishing stuff done is pretty hectic, but I really liked writing her because she's the first truly like unlikable female character I've ever written. So it was fun being in the, from the perspective of like, just a total like C word person, like not at all a nice chick. Yeah. <laughs> but she comes around, obviously. I highlighted the quote when Jaxo was like, yo yeah like whatever i'm your zivi whatever yeah. like you're not gonna die and you're not being exiled and <laughs> yeah. This. yeah yeah oh and writing writing that actually happened at a weird time too because it was also when a lot of the stuff with like arnold Mabry and i don't know converse, these kinds of conversations were happening and I don't know like how sometimes these things kind of sneak their way into the books that i write but yeah there's like I don't know. Was, I think that little short story was also like a good way for me to vent my frustration with like some of what's been going on, especially in like the Black Lives Matter community. So yeah, I hope you guys like it, but it's very subtle. It's not like a political thing. It's pretty funny. So the whole thing is. I hope it's a political thing. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all on the same team here. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, not even a question. Yeah. <laughs> Kelsey, I feel like I've been dominating. I know you have a lot of questions too. Yes, but I also feel like rightfully so, because like this is like, how many times have you just like gotten the book and then you had to call me and FaceTime me that you ordered like another version 
of the same book that you've already read. Like this is this is a moment. I was not gonna step on it in any way. I remember I will say one of my questions though, because like there's moments where like, you know, we always draw parallels. Like Summer drew parallels when there was that moment between with like the names of like your Spartacus dude. There's always parallels, you know, because we're trying to make connections to what we already know in life. So Doctor Who, have you watched it? Have you seen it? I just, oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> the amount of par- no, that's totally fine. Just the amount of parallels that I see is crazy. And so for you to not have watched it, seen it, any of those, but to like, to know that you've had similar thoughts as like other brilliant writers who have created this literally like the longest running TV show on like the airwaves. I don't know. Like oh my gosh, TV. that's wild. Like what, what's kind of like a similarity? I'm so curious. So some of the character or like some of the creatures that you've created or like some of the, the technology as well. And I'm like, Yikes. there's just moments where I'm like, whoa, like, are we sure that there's not a correlation? So <laughs> Maybe I, just, I am Doctor Who. Isn't that like a person who trans like plants in the bodies and stuff? I don't know yes. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're onto it. You're onto it. You can feel regeneration. Yeah. For all we know. Hmm. <laughs> I haven't um, seen Doctor Who either, but that's like the one fact I know is that there's like a different person who is Doctor Who. Yeah, I think I learned that from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a background in linguistics? You came up with all these naming conventions and like fancy things. I definitely wouldn't call myself a linguist, but I am like super passionate about languages. And when I went to university, I studied um, Arabic and then lived a year in Cairo and then a little bit in Lebanon and Jordan too. And that's actually, you'll see all of that come out and taken to the, taken by the Picosa warlord because the heroine in that book is actually Egyptian. And, you know, it's another one of these examples where yeah, I mean, this was actually, I think my favorite, I mean, my favorite book is Taken to Sassor in the series, which <laughs> is just, it's a weird one because I don't feel like I should like it as much because the heroine is, again, she's not a super strong heroine compared to some of the others. But I really, one of my favorite things about writing that book was actually like language building from the ground up because there's no translation devices. It's like a super barbaric culture. Mm. And so like as you learn, like you learn the language as she learns the language pretty much. And Taken by the Picosa Warlord was a little bit different because she's actually an interpreter. And so she is able to piece things together much faster, which is kind of, you know, my deuce ex machina there to get things rolling. So it's not such a slow, such a slow game, but I do, I absolutely adore learning languages. I think some of the things that come up, I mean, I think Arabic is probably the most beautiful language in the entire universe. Like there's just so many things about it that are so fascinating. Like in Egypt, like if somebody cat calls you, like a kind of a cheeky response would be to say like mishmish, which literally means inside of the apricot, but it actually means like get lost or like in your dreams. Like there's just all of these really <laughs> funny conventions. And I love like taking kind of everything I've learned and incorporating that as best I can, but it definitely gets confusing and I really regret having had this decision to make everybody have a title instead of a name because this just got really out of hand at a certain point because I'm also the kind of person too where I once I start something like I have to be consistent you know so like I can't have like literally the entire purpose of the Zamzan River came up because I'd written a chapter before where I talked about how dense the canopy cover was covering Varaxia mm -hmm. and then I was like well how do they get light 
you know, so then it's like my logical brain has to somehow try to like work through all of these structures that I set up in the beginning when I'm like, I could have probably just like removed it or like <laughs> gave them a little less trees, you know, and then <laughs> wouldn't have to come up with 17 other things to explain the decisions I've made in the beginning. <laughs> but that's so. what makes so much of this so brilliant. Like I, Summer knows this, whenever there's something in a romance book, in any book that doesn't make sense in a TV show, in a movie, it doesn't matter. I am going to be one of the first people to call it out because I'll focus on it. And I'll be like, it just doesn't make sense. Like right. it just, it just doesn't make sense. And I'm going to sit here and tell someone about it until it makes sense or until they fix it. Like, I don't know, it needs to make sense. So for you to just like stick with your gut of like, okay, we started with the thick canopy and now there's going to be a river that glows. Like you just make it work. And because it makes so much sense, like for me, that is such a win in terms of the book out whole, because otherwise I would have been, I don't know, up the wall crazy. Yeah, thank you, because it definitely gets out of hand. And how I wrote earlier books without these massive spreadsheets, I will never understand and really regret. So, <laughs> spreadsheets all the way. Kelsey, when she was beta reading one of my books, there's a, there's a scene that takes place in a really dark room. And like every other comment was like, how can she see this? Could she really see <laughs> yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> how is she? How does she know that this is happening? exactly like, romance reasons yeah <laughs> romance reasons exactly <laughs> it's more romantic in the dark <laughs> maybe maybe I'll give you that that's that's what someone's answer is for a lot of things but like good valid valid things I just my logical brain doesn't want to shut up sometimes yeah yeah I'm I'm the same way that's why I end up like some people just like can't hang on and they're like this is too much I would much rather romance explain away like half these things <laughs> I've noticed like a lot of the way you describe you use their elements to just like you incorporate in other parts of the story where normal like human words would also work and that helps to like give us more understanding of what they are what they're used for was that intentional or did that just like come naturally as you were writing that that came naturally but it was a bit of a logical leap you know because I am not I'm dealing with these people that don't have any context for like our normal like mm -hmm. earth. Like this was my first foray into high sci-fi, which I would definitely classify it as high sci-fi because it literally doesn't take place on this planet. And there's like nothing, like there's very few familiar things. And so then, yeah, so both it's because like, I can't be like, this is a cherry oak tree because that probably doesn't exist out in this weird quadrant of the galaxy. Uh, so I have to kind of make that stuff up. But I also think that it makes for like a way more authentic reading experience. And also I think it's much nicer as a reader, like in book eight, when you get to see like a Wero tree come back again or something like, you know what it is. And it also gives like the whole series, like a bit more cohesion, which is why I have this like master vocabulary list that I'm actually thinking about turning into like, like a little tiny dictionary that I just like give away or something on my website or something. Yeah. That'd be really yes. funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like very confusingly written because I'm also dealing with like a million different languages and stuff, which is again, probably could have been made easier at some point, but you know, we're Maybe. where we are now. <laughs> but that adds so much interest. Like, okay, so I'm someone who loves sci-fi, even though this is a very much a romance podcast, like I love sci-fi. So to have that language, to have that like constant challenge of like, 
this is where things are coming from. And, oh, I just saw that word three pages ago. This is it repeated. So like, okay, I'm finally getting the meaning. Right. Or even just to like flash all over the place, like with the colors, right? So Summer and I were having this conversation earlier, like identifying based on context, like what the color means. And then being so thrilled when a human showed up and was like, oh, purple means lust. Yeah. And, you know, like as they identified it too. And then I'm like mentally writing it down, like, okay, purple means lust. I thought so, but they know. Yeah. So I'm really just going to take their word for it. Because can I tell you one of my biggest pet peeves is when I'm reading a book written from a first person perspective, like by a person or any like alien, whatever, it doesn't have to be like even sci-fi or fantasy, but when they then are like, and then I went and approached the Wero comma, a type of tree here in Varaxia. I'm like, why would you be mm. thinking that to yourself? That's never, so that's <laughs> not the way a human, like, that's not the way a brain thinks. Like I get it for the purposes of the story, but it drags me so far out of the story when it's written in first person present tense or first person tense that I'm just like, okay, I have to like come up with way more creative ways of getting these things across so that they make sense, but I can still write like true to character and not have some weird thing. And had so much more world built world building. Cause I think without that, like, as you brought it before, like they create a bow and it's not like they have that word translate, you know, or maybe they do once they have their nice little translators in, but generally speaking, like you're creating everything from the ground up. And you mm-hmm. have placed it in such a way where you're constantly learning about the world. And I get so thrilled when things like that happen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Taken to Evernor, which is the one I'm working on right now, is wild. <laughs> but <laughs> hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> I'm so excited. One of my pet peeves in romance that like drives me up a wall is when shampoo is used as a scent descriptor usually it's by the man about like the woman's hair it just puts me like in a cvs aisle or like (laughs) like, a mildewy corner Mm. of the shower with like a plastic bottle that has like gunk all over the top of it (laughs) i can't stand it also it doesn't help me at all because i'm like there's a million different brands of shampoo so Mm -hmm. yeah or they're like it smells like pomegranate shampoo just say it smells like pomegranate yeah (laughs) (laughs) solved (laughs) time frames there's lunars and solars rotations spans can you give us like a brief ballpark of like okay yeah so a lunar is basically a night a solar is basically a day I think they're, they run like a little bit long in Varaxian time because the rotation is about three years, okay. a little bit more than three years. And then I think I tried to incorporate a word that means something like a month, but I'm not sure I carried that forward or if it was successful because <laughs> I don't remember what I used. <laughs> okay. At one point I thought that there was like three solars to a lunar. Did I totally make that up? Like, are they mm-hmm. equal parts? I think, yeah, they're equal parts. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, somehow I got that in my head and I'd be reading it and I'd start getting confused. So I'd be like, are there like, how, how do they separate the solars if there's three of them? And like, <laughs> I'm getting more confusing than I like need it. <laughs> um, so that then places Kiki... Spira Miari around like 21, 22. 
Yeah, I think that was the age that they were, yeah, that they're supposed Seven to. Seven rotations, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. How old are the male characters? I think we said that Raku is like a full two rotations, three rotations older than her. There's a bit of an age gap. Okay. But okay. I can't really remember. They're not like 400 year old. No, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're like they're like within the age Got within it. the human comprehension of an age <laughs> range. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm within the art world a little bit here. So for like purple for lust, like some of the parallels that you drew, it just made me wonder like whether or not you did any research into color theory and how you feel about that world if you're aware of it or just like how did you choose the colors to go with the different emotions and experiences oh boy I think unfortunately the answer is gonna be disappointing because I think it was at total random (laughs) I accept it no I accept it it's fine not disappointing I just I had to know because I was like I, I see parallels but at the same time there were some things that like weren't sitting I don't know academic with me so yeah. I wanted to ask. No, total random. That works. Yeah. <laughs> right? Our emotions are random. So like that, that flies with me. Yeah. The problem <laughs> is that I can't really name that many colors. So I started to run out. I had to like Google colors. <laughs> <laughs> and is the, how did you come up with the idea of the Oxana slash Zana Zana? I wanted to do, I love the combination of enemies to lovers and faded mates. And my first book ever, Population, it's more of a, somebody the other day classified it as an enemies to friends to lovers. And I realized that that's exactly correct because without that, there has to be like some, something that forces them to come together. And a lot of that is time and these kinds of things. But in this book in particular, there is so much elaborate world building going on that I don't actually have the time to be able to like elaborately world build and write a convincing reason for these two beings to get over their hatred of one another without like driving something like something powerful between them to pull them together almost like against their will. And I really like that tension, you know, the kind of fighting both on a pragmatic level, these are all the reasons that I hate you, but also on a like visceral level, I really, I hate you, but I also like want, like, I love to hate you kind of thing. So I thought that was a really fun tension to play with here. And I just, I, yeah, I like those two tropes together. Honestly, I didn't even know that like faded mates was really a trope. This is much more summer's realm than mine. And I did not realize how much I was missing it in my life, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Because I like, I don't know, there's so many, as you said, like you did so much intense world building that it really just helps skip something, like something right in the beginning that like, you'd almost have to write off as a romance reason. Yeah. So because now for lack of better words, the romance reason is like a very all powerful faded mate situation. You're like, oh, of course. Like, yeah, that that absolutely makes sense that we missed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. we missed like several like you said like several eons of like coming to terms with these things and actually like liking each other and then getting together it's I think it's a lot it's I that's also one of my favorite things to write and I do that in you know my population series that doesn't have any faded mates and these are all kind of enemies to lovers and then also my Dark City Omega book that's coming out at the end of this year, which I'm freak, super freaking excited about. And that one also, there's no, there's a bit of that because again, it's like the alpha omega dynamic, but it helps a little, but not, it's not as obvious as it is in the Zavarian books. 
I liked that that there was always, at least so far, there's been somebody who understood it and somebody who didn't. Because then it's a cultural thing among the Varaxians. And it's like very well understood and respected. But then with the humans and the hybrid, Miari, she, like it's brand new to them. So you're learning along with them. And I like every time that there's like a new mating and someone starts being like, like oh I got hot all of a sudden or like like yeah. I started like being in pain and then they're like oh shit <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and yeah that's actually because that's I think this was also my attempt so like this I don't know I think the way that I write a lot of times too is I read a lot of a trope or a lot of a genre that I really enjoy but I'm like missing something so then it's you know my our author desire to write my own version where I get like all of the things that I wanted out of it. And so again, with these kind of alien romances, not finding that middle ground between the like super dark and the just kind of like really, really light reads, but also the faded mates trope, because this happens often in shifter romances. And I really, I, it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine just when both parties feel the connection because then I'm like okay well there goes all the tension like okay they both like each other they're together so then you have to like introduce an external thing or it has to be like a rejected mate situation and I am not into rejection I am all about like one person like the man ruthlessly obsessing over his female (laughs) love interest yes (laughs) so yeah I kind of wanted to do like just a little bit of a different take on faded mates too I love that we just learned about Omegaverse in our last episode. We had somebody break it down for us. I have decided it's like human reverse harem bees. <laughs> That's what I deemed it as. I haven't dove into it yet. Is your you is your Dark City Omega gonna be an Omegaverse? Yes. So it's an Omegaverse. Actually, it was really funny. So the top rated review, and somewhere in there, she's like. I think this author would really succeed writing like male, female Omegaverse. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> that is exactly my favorite thing. So it's not the one coming out later this year is, does deal with like the alpha Omega dynamics, but I, again, because I can't do anything like conventionally, it's more of a fantasy. It has like a bunch of magic. There's like a quest. It's wild. <laughs> And it's super long. So it's like 110,000 words right now, but it's only MF. So it's not, I don't, I don't write, write reverse harems and I don't write like polyamory one because I'm not polyamorous. And so I would need to read like a ton of own voices for me to try to venture into that. And two, I just find that you have such a finite amount of pages when you write a book that just fully develop every character just takes so much work. And I just can't imagine doing that for multiple like male or female characters. I think it probably works really nicely if you're writing really, really light romance that's like RH or maybe, I don't know, just erotica, but I'm, I don't think I'm going to venture into that territory anytime soon. (laughs) It feels like spreadsheets. Yeah. (laughs) It feels like you're really carving like a really special spot out for your kind of romance though. Like I know that I'm not the most educated when it comes to the full realm of it, but just like from the experiences that I've had to have your books be so much in the romance realm, but also to have it be fantasy, but world building to like, just to combine all these pieces together. Like I want to read every single one of your books, like no matter what universe it's from, because I know that it's going to be impeccably put together 
within like the same mindset of this current series, especially based off of this conversation. And it just, it just feels like you're worming your way in there and like making your own, not your own trope, but like your own spot being like, no, this is, this is how I write. And this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Y'all are just going to need to like suck it up because this is how it's going to (laughs) fly. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, it's definitely takes, I think a lot more work from the marketing and like money-making side of things for sure. Just because I don't fit super cleanly. I mean, the population series is a great example of me just like failing over and over and over again to like really get this series, like get the ball rolling. I think I got quite like lucky with timing and also just accidentally putting together like covers a genre like like content and everything for the Varaxian series that was to market so it all like fits pretty well inside like the sci-fi romance genre but that is unfortunately like I tend to straddle a lot of different genres when I write and it's really hard to convince people like what it is so yeah it's a bit tricky but I'm definitely glad you know and I've seen a lot more amazing feedback and you know financially have been able to continue being a full-time author so that's all I could really ask for (laughs) so awesome I haven't gotten to that part yet or that book yet but he they have like blades all over them right yeah they have like tines like yeah how does that work in the bedroom because I know the Varaxians like will cut their nails oh yeah it gets real interesting they like don't sleep in beds they sleep in nets Mm-hmm. and then the beach <laughs> scene I just got to the beach scene in your fifth book and I'm like yes this is what I need yeah so we just picture it so you like you have you have these tines right tines so like spikes but then if you're like in a net to be able to relax on your back imagine yeah, like yeah. now you're in some like thick sand I do that it makes sense I'm trying to see where this is going yeah. very cozy <laughs> what is your who's your favorite couple it's probably hard to pick. My favorite couple? That's such a hard one. I have favorite characters, but a couple is hard, like maybe too hard. I don't know. Probably Miari and Sauron are like my favorite couple, but it's just might be because they started everything off. But my favorite characters are Dina and Neheu for sure. Like thousand percent. <laughs> so I'm Dina is, that. yeah, I know. It's not for me in any of these books, but Dina from book five, who's the protagonist, and then Neheu, who's the total buffoon from book three. He's he was just super fun because I had written these first two books, and I think after Kiki's book, I just needed a freaking break. And I knew that it was gonna be way too hard for me to try to write Chris Ock's book because he's so deeply tormented by his like racism and it's pretty hard to put yourself in the position of like a racist character (laughs) especially as like a woman of color in America so I was like okay I need a break and so then I started you know my typical like brooding alpha male and I was like this is boring and so then I just made this kind of like idiot like alpha character (laughs) for book three who ended up being just so much fun and I really yeah I really like him and Dina also ended up being you know just She's a hoot. Crazy. Right? Like, yeah. Just, I'm, I'm so into it. I was telling Summer about it before you hopped on. I'm like, Summer, you're going to love this one. I downloaded it. Okay. Yeah, she's, she, this, that book was actually really interesting in, in the context in which I wrote it because it was like the thick of the pandemic. I had just had a cousin die from cancer and I was in the middle of writing this book and I think Dina allowed me to like cathart a lot of my like inner rage. 
but also the pirates who were supposed to have such a nominal and uninteresting role because they normally can't devote that much time and effort to developing multiple side characters. I normally just try to pick like one or two and like try to make them really fleshed out. But in this one, like somehow the pirates just like kept clamoring for attention and they became this like whole crazy giant family. And I think it was also just, you know, this kind of absence of family. I was in Germany. I couldn't come back home, couldn't see anybody. Like they kind of created this supportive community that I needed in that time. So it was really nice. (laughs) To see little pieces of you, or I should say to see, to hear these little pieces of you, like just be sprinkled across all these different books. Like that's, that's really special. And which one is the gladiator one? That's Evernor. Okay, so in progress. Yes, it's supposed to come out in April, and I'm really trying to make that deadline. <laughs> See what happens. Well, I'm a very slow reader, so yeah, it'll take me. I probably won't have read everything before that one. I know. I mean, I'm trying to get all of the books out, all of the last books out by July. So I'm excited. I keep saying that, but I like I feel like a broken runner, but I'm like I am excited. Like I'm going to download all of them as soon as we hang <laughs> up. Like I'm I'm so excited. <laughs> Yeah, Ashmara's book is the one I'm most excited for. Her, yeah, her character is, yeah. Yeah, she's got some issues. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like a little bit obsessed with gladiators, if you haven't been able to tell. Why did you decide to go the gladiator route? Someone, one of my like fans asked when they were like, when are you going to do like one of these when, when is one of these guys going to be a gladiator? And I was like, ask and you shall receive. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was even a little bit of that on, yeah, I guess Evanor in the third, fourth book. Yeah, exactly. And Haimo is the first time we land on Evanor. And I also just, I'm pretty obsessed with Eshmiri as like a people and wanted to spend more time in their universe. So I knew Ashmara's book is obviously going to be heavy on the Ashmiri influence because she is Ashmiri. But I, yeah, I was like, eh, let's see what else we can do with these crazy guys. I got the series that I'm currently writing takes place in the 1700s. America, no sci-fi anything. But I got a little bit obsessed with gladiators. And I was like, I need to write gladiator romance. Like, it has to happen. But I was in a series <laughs> that was in 1700s yeah so I just like it's made like, up an island <laughs> yeah it's like neither old enough nor like far enough in the future <laughs> yeah so my solution was just like a madman who is obsessed with Rome and made his own little secret island that's perfect a little replica so I got to do it <laughs> yeah I'm super excited to read your stuff as well it's all on my tbr on my endless tbr that's never gonna get read because I'm desperately trying to finish these books <laughs> I even bought myself a kindle like it arrived two weeks ago and I haven't opened the box Did you start reading on a kindle your life will change yeah thank you for saying that because I keep wanting to return it because I've been reading on my phone and I've been so happy reading on my phone <laughs> Oof. Kelsey does that it, I don't know how that's all I do yeah wait to if I have to send a text that's more than like a few sentences I will wait till I'm on my computer to send it because (laughs) I'm on my phone like that I know it's my mind I know as an author I'm like this is pretty much the worst case scenario but it's so convenient it's my everyday case scenario because I'm you know I'm at my desk at lunch I'm like okay let me just slyly start reading a couple chapters here as I munch down on my food 
versus mm-hmm. breaking out a Kindle or breaking out a book with like some hot guy on the cover. Like I just, one thing is easier to hide than the other. Yeah. Agreed. I've seen like different like author memes and stuff of the like giant, like a giant picture of notes. And they're like, when you get a thought at like 1am or different things like that. And I read all my books by hand first. So the thought of like writing anything. You write all of your books by hand? Yes. I have a tablet that can convert it to text. Now. That's not how you started though. Whoa. No, I did start like actually writing by hand and then looking like typing it, which God, that was the worst. That did not work. But so yeah, so like the thought of writing Oh my gosh, that's so many words. So many words. They are, they're probably a lot shorter than your books. Like my first one, I think was 55 words. The second one is 65. So that's a lot of words. (laughs) 65,000, 55,000 is very many words. (laughs) I just, Mm. I, I can't imagine doing it differently. But I do envy the people that have like a really cute desk set up with their like their computer and their keyboard. (laughs) I'm actually um, I'm at my folks house where they have this bookcase here that's basically a time warp from high school. And actually, I did used to write all by hand, too. And all of those notebooks up there are my are my original story notebooks. (laughs) See, There's something about it that's just like, I don't know. I know, but I did, I, yeah, I stopped doing that quite a long, long time ago. <laughs> I'm sitting here, not a writer, and I'm just like, everyone has their own creative process. That's how yeah, I look at it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. It's so wild. I, that's one of the, I'm obsessed with the author community. I find it so supportive, best job I've ever had. But one of the things that drives me, like, that blows my mind is when people try to give other writers advice on how to write. I'm like, how? Like if I were to try to give people advice, it would be like, okay, stay awake until three o'clock in the morning, every single night, turn on criminal minds. You're going to just bang out 5,000 words, 10,000 words. Easy. I'm like, I don't think that's going to work for other people. That's so funny. Cause I'm like, wake up early, go to a coffee shop, like put your phone away and like write by hand, which just sounds like the exact. (laughs) Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, I, we didn't ask the main question. How did you get into writing? So I have been writing since I was like really small, but it actually the whole writing thing started courtesy of my mom because I was obsessed with, do you guys remember American Girl Dolls? Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was determined to have not one, but I needed at least like two. I had like friends that had, you know, the whole collection. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Just sloughing it with my one American Girl doll. So the condition for my mom was that in order to get the doll, I had to read all of the books in her little collection or whatever. But I wanted an American Girl doll that looked like me because, ah, surprise, all the dolls are white. So I was like, okay, let me, I want a doll that looks like me. And my mom was like, well, in order to do that, there's no books to read. So you have to write your own book. And so then I wrote like some sci-fi short story that I still have on my computer. Oh, so like sad and weird. <laughs> when I was like 11, one of these things where, you know, my computer, my giant box of a computer died at some point and my mom had to rewrite like 20 pages or something of the story. So there's just like a big break between like writing styles and 
<laughs> everything. And I never finished it, but I did get the doll and I just kept writing just after that and never stopped. That's awesome. Yeah. How did you oh, get into writing? Uh, I also like wrote stories all the time when I was little, usually inspired by whatever I was like hyper fixated on at the time. Still <laughs> kind of the case. <laughs> I binge watched Black Sails, then wrote a pirate romance. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> wrote a gladiator romance. Yeah. Ne- next thing you know, it's going to be an alien romance. Just mm-hmm. kidding. I can't handle world building. <laughs> just the idea of that many spreadsheets I'm glad you do it for us to enjoy the end result but yeah it's just so funny because like I find it so stressful to write books set in real places because like even when I wrote like population or I was like it was set in the Pacific Northwest it's set in Seattle so I have to like google maps like myself into downtown Seattle and like walk around the city and be like okay (laughs) because I get so like fixated on things being correct Mm and yeah but not Mm -hmm. a not a strong like trait of mine I would say but it is what it is (laughs) Fair. Fair. But yeah, so then I I wanted to write a romance because I was it was during the pandemic and I was getting back into reading. And I actually my original idea was an FF romance with like mm. covert operative and I like watched all the videos on plotting and read all, all the things and I had this like big long sheet of paper that was I don't know so so long and I had all these post-it notes and I plotted it all out and I was so excited I had my mood board and all this (laughs) and I sat down to write and I couldn't yeah it just (laughs) I like I just couldn't and so then I started tried again later with this pirate idea and then I finished it and then I published it and now I'm on my third it's yeah (laughs) amazing (sighs) yeah the publishing process is wild I had never like finished a book before until my freshman year of of college and I like finally finished my first story and I was like oh my gosh what do I what do I do now you know (laughs) I'd never considered publishing it before. So I actually tried with the tr- the traditional route at first. And I don't know. I don't know why anybody bothers. It's so crazy. Yeah. I had somebody say to me like, oh, you know, well, like that's something to strive towards. And I was like, I don't like, why? I, yeah, I know. I get that question too. Not like where, where people will just be like, oh, you self-publish. And I don't know if it's just like me being naturally defensive or like assuming they're, and I'm like, yes, thousand percent. I worked with a publisher. I hated it. I worked with a publisher on my first book. It was the worst mm-hmm. experience of my life. I would never, ever go back to working with a publisher. Also like money wise, I can't be that, I can't be that poor for that long. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad that I, found the self-publishing community mostly on like YouTube first and I'm still obviously very new but if I didn't know that that existed like I probably would have never even finished a book because I always thought writing was like you know a pipe dream only like some crazy lucky people 
are able to do it full time. Yeah, same. And I think there is so much like stigma attached to self-publishing still. Even like even when I tell people, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, but like I just published on Amazon." Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then my my partner will be like, "Summer, you wrote a book." <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Summer, okay. you wrote a book. <laughs> wrote Elizabeth's a book. written like twenty, but it's yeah. Anywho, I'm going on a tangent now. Yeah, I mean the I mean my favorite author resource ever is Millionaire Author Mastermind. That Facebook group. It's run by Lee Savino, who's like a seven figure self-published author now she writes the berserkers there's like a shifter werewolf series but like my gosh the resources and like just how helpful everybody is and you can just like post the weirdest questions like how do you get like bookish candles made or like does anybody have like an is like a ingram sparks promo code today or you know tiktok video help or you know whatever you know it's so wild and everybody's just willing to help yeah. Like imagine, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people knew because so many people want to write a book or have stories and characters in their head. And they're so discouraged because anything somebody hears about publishing a book is like rejection letters. Like that's mm-hmm. all you know. And I just want everybody to know that like you can just write it and do it. And yeah. it's great. It's crazy. Yeah. Willow Winters, she does like a lot of TikTok videos about the publishing process. And I think all of her advice is super, super great. You know, when she talks about when she started, you know, she didn't have her book professionally edited. She had like a cover. She's literally too ashamed to show online. And <laughs> she, yeah, now she's also like, I don't know, six or seven figure author, you know, just yeah. her husband quit his job as a chemist, uh, <laughs> what she said in her last video to help with the business. Yeah. Cause she made his salary, his yearly salary in a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing I love about, especially the, the romance indie community, is all these wives retiring their husbands. And yeah. Have a video of their husbands who were like previously the breadwinner carrying all their boxes to the post office or like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the way that you just, oh, God, I could go on about it, but just like you have so many intricacies about this alien spice, right? This alien smut that make it so much stronger. Like all of a sudden they like, z- oh gosh, Zana, Zana, mm, yeah. <laughs> and like, you have to take males out of the room because like the female is that intoxicating with her scent. And it's just like, oh, like I, I want that for someone, <laughs> yeah. someone. that sounds great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much secondhand embarrassment when like, they could all like smell the human's arousal yeah yeah absolutely yeah not like for a casual business meeting but you know like if you're out <laughs> trying to save the world yeah <laughs> all right well once again elizabeth yeah. thank you so much and just thank you guys so much for having me Amazing. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this. this has been a huge blessing to have you on. This has been incredible to be able to pick your brain a little bit. Well, I really appreciate it. And I mean, this is just like another example of the author community being amazing. This was amazing. <laughs> really appreciate it. All right. Toodles. 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 <laughs> Thank you.
I still never heard back from my mom whether or not she listened to an episode. <sighs> She's too traumatized to say. I just finished the fourth book. I'm just in a mood. So giddy. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Don't even know where to, how to begin. We have a big list. We just like want to know everything. Yes. And... <laughs> well, I'll do my best. <laughs> Shall we get rolling? Yeah, you start. <sighs> okay. I, I, that was the heavy sigh because every time I start, I mess it up. Okay, I'm ready.